very funny how universal it is in to to live up north and like and like know of or like know about like groups of aspirational rednecks and then realize that like oh there's like entire like uh, parts of this country where like you don't have to be a aspirational redneck i think that i think it's actually starting to happen more and more like nashville's especially kind of got that thing where like you live in like a condo that costs like two thousand dollars a month to rent and you still call yourself country like no you know down here you got the rednecks like i said you know they got the lifted pickup well they don't have the lifted pickup trucks they have like these shitty ass like nissans from like 1983 and they dip a very specific brand of either um wolf or grizzly Grizzly is the favorite among, like, super big rednecks in terms of dip. Any intentional forward movement of his hands starts a forward pass, even if the player loses possession of the ball as he is attempting to tug it back towards his body. Also, if the player has tugged the ball into his body and then loses possession, it is a fumble. Yeah, like, I got over the tug rule, but I still think about the tug rule. Do you not believe the tuck rule was appropriately applied? I do not. I do not. Hey folks, it's the tuck rule. We are back. Uh, we are back after slandering Urban Meyer on the bonus show. Uh, I'm Victoria, as always. My voice is a little weird today because I was screaming at the Buffalo Bills for four hours on Sunday. Um, I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Katie. Say what's up, Katie. Uh, what's up, Katie? Um, hello, you beautiful bussy eaters out there. Uh, Katie, let's say that you uh, hypothetically were the number one uh, recruit in the country. Um, and mm-hmm. you had committed previously, verbally committed to Florida State. And uh, you decided that you wanted to dramatically switch your commitment to a FCS program at, at, at the very last second. Um, which program would you pick? And, um, and would you also choose to do it by tossing a hat, um, off of a stage? Okay, first of all, let me answer the second one first. I saw that there was a guy who did it with birthday cake. Like, he had, like, three or four cakes there. Okay. And, like, he just, he, he went into the one, I think, that he was going to commit to. Well, for me, obviously, it would be East Tennessee State, because that was my almost alma mater. I almost went to college there um, until the University of Tennessee and their and their infinite terrible wisdom decided to offer me a place at school. Um, but aside from that, oh, what would be the dumbest place I could probably commit to? I would be the quarterback at Presbyterian. How about that? Hell yeah! I mean, you know, you'll. Uh, I don't know what coach or 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 like what offensive coordinator they're going to have next. But I think you'll probably have the opportunity opportunity to throw like sixty touchdowns to like sixty picks. So yeah, that sounds like Katie and Madden. Yeah, so I can see that sixty might not be enough for me in a full seventeen like game season of Madden at this point. I swear to God, I'm checking five of those a game. I saw no. I would always see Norm Van Brocklin's uh, record in that game and be like, I have to shatter it this time, and do it every single time here on after. It is pretty remarkable that he still has that record, considering that he said it I know. in the fucking 50s. It's it's shocking to me that no one's been able to, to uh, beat it. Football! Football happened more recently than the 1950s, it turns out. Quite a bit of it, actually. Uh, and it happened at really weird times this weekend. Um, so, it, so, in order to tackle it, uh, we've decided to do it in chronological order. So that means that we're probably going to jump between... NFL and college, we're going to talk about some of these bowls, uh, but we're going to kind of like jump back and forth and take things in roughly chronological order, I think is the plan. So, um, yeah, 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 mo- mostly this is my fault. So if it sucks, uh, just blame me. And um, we're just trying this out for this week, yeah. especially since the schedule is really weird and things have been shifting around some as oh. we'll get to later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna have to talk about that, unfortunately. Um, we are professional virologists, and you should listen to whatever we have oh, to say no. about that. Um, you can technically use this podcast as a doctor's note, I believe. Um, so, 
Thursday. How about some NFL football? This game, this game was a banger. We got Chiefs thirty-four, Chargers twenty-eight. Um, yeah, this game was awesome. Justin Herbert's really good at football. Patrick Mahomes also really good at football. Uh, was kind of a track meet, but the Chargers set the pace for most of the game. I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah. Uh, they help. Uh, the Chiefs literally did not lead until they scored the game-winning touchdown in overtime, I believe. Um, but I think the thing that everyone's talking about from this game, other than um, other than uh, the injury to Chargers tight end Donald Parham, uh, I I really hope everything's okay. That was one of those like really scary non-contact injuries that you see, and you're like, oh geez, like that's yeah. That he it... ran into the fence or pose, and he went there for a few minutes, and he was stuck. Yeah, yeah that was that was that was terrifying. And Joe Buck's and Joe Buck's explanation of it later is just. I think he said that Donald Parham was shaking on the on the stretcher because he was cold. He was shaking on the stretcher because it was cold, which is in Los Angeles. It was in a dome. In a dome, and Jesus Christ, um, the NFL does not let their mouthpieces talk about like head injuries of any kind. Uh, so instead, we have to just pretend that they don't exist, and it's it's. Really ridiculous, obviously. Um, so, well wishes to Donald Parham. It seems like he's doing okay. Um, one of my first football, like, m- memories ever is Kevin Everett uh, injuring his neck uh, in week one of the Ooh. 2007 Bills season. That was also very scary. Um, and, yeah, just oh God. not good stuff. Wishing Donald Parham well. So, the other thing that people were talking about uh, after this game is that the Chargers... Turned the ball over three times on downs in field goal range, um, yep. twice inside the five yard in uh, twice inside the five yard line. Um, once I think they were, I I I believe they were somewhere between the twenty and thirty yard line. I can't remember quite off the top of my head. This kind of uh, lit football Twitter a fire and started a whole lot of really uh-huh. insufferable discourse. Um, <laughs> the nerds and the filmoids have uh, come together and decided to wage war on each other. And also, I should say, as my own personal take, sometimes being a coward and kicking the field goal is okay. Yes. Maybe maybe not maybe not at where the Chargers turn it over, I believe, near the 30, because their kicking situation has been terrible this year. Awful. But, like, yeah, like, inside the red zone, I think you should at least consider kicking the field goal. Just... Yeah. I know, I don't know, when probability added is one of those weird things that I'm not quite sure how it's calculated. I wish I did know. Um, if you're a nerd, please tell me how it is, um, but don't do it in a way that makes me want to throw you in a locker. Um, they will, because it's the only way they know how to communicate. Yeah, uh, the Chiefs uh, end up playing from behind most of the game, but Travis Kelsey touchdown ties the game late, and then a Travis Kelsey touchdown uh, with just some horrible uh, defense played on that game-winning touchdown by the Chargers. <laughs> like, everybody yep. took comically bad angles. Um, nobody came close to, like, tackling Travis Kelsey on that touchdown. Uh, and we let the Chiefs just kind of slide right into the driver's seat for the bye week in the AFC. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck nope. everyone for letting this happen. This is, this is I, insane. I mean... I think the weird thing is the Chiefs have changed themselves schematically, and I've talked about this before, but, like, you can kind of see it with all the throws to Kelsey and Tyreek Hill underneath. They do take shots down the field, but it's not as much as they did previously. I, I wasn't able to chart it. I, I think I think uh, the Chargers played more cover one or one high in this game than, they than like, teams have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe the shots were there, but... They've had they've had good success, I think, going back to the old Andy Reid stuff from like, you know, from the Philadelphia Eagles, just in the shotgun now. Like that yeah. that that feels like what this team does now. Yeah, um, I I really really admire Andy Reid for being willing to do whatever works and like yeah not absolutely like like I feel like we don't talk enough about how much that guy constantly changes and evolves and like does whatever he needs to do i feel like sometimes we just kind of forget that that's the old andy reed and we pretend that he's like some kind of new andy reed katie there was some football played on friday too uh why don't you uh talk to us about it for a little bit at least 
Okay, well, we did have two bowl games. Um, first was the Bahamas Bowl. Uh, MTSU won 31-24. I mean, this game was fine. I I said that MTSU, um, their offense worked in spasms. I wouldn't call it... I wouldn't call it sustained performance, but it worked in spasms well enough to get them down the field on some drives. They they went up 31-17 in the fourth quarter. Toledo scored a late touchdown, didn't get the onside kick. MTSU wins, and um, I love this bowl because it looks like they're playing like on my little league field. <laughs> like the field the field condition is something else. But we we go back to the U.S. We go back to Orlando, Florida. Coastal Carolina beats Northern Illinois 47-41. This game was a banger basically the entire way. Um, NIU, I think, was the big underdog in this game, and I think everyone, including me, thought that they would get killed. Both teams kind of figured out how to stretch each other on the outside a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, NIU ran a lot of pin and pull and inside power with their quarterback. Both these teams ran like crazy. Both these teams, like, the, the rushing stats from this game are just ridiculous it, it looked like coastal set like that um like that triple option set that they get in with pistol like where they have one guy split like a yard back and another guy split to the left or the right like a yard to the side that set um they didn't need to do much else besides that little set where they just did that and they ran triple option and they killed niu's defense um there were a couple of things, a couple of highlights in the fourth quarter that kind of marked where Northern Illinois' demise began. First of all, they had a weird fourth and one sneak play where I believe Rocky Lombardi went to the sideline like, hey, we don't know the play. And then they snapped it to like an up back mm-hmm. and it got stuffed. Um, so it gave Coastal the ball in NIU territory. So, and then we have another drive where Rocky Lombardi, he scrambles, he gets first down, and then he fumbles with 321 to go. Um, And then I believe NIU stops them. NIU goes on a long drive late in the fourth quarter, but they get screwed on the weirdest officiating call I've ever seen where the guy signals about three different things. Like, he's signaling for the clock to run, but he's also signaling, like... Like, he has his hands kind of, like, in the air like you would do, like, if you're stopping the clock... Mm-hmm. Um, but NIU got screwed here. They didn't get the one play that they needed. I don't know if they would have won, but we didn't really get to find out. Um, both of these teams had over 500 yards of total offense. Yeah. NIU had 335 Ooh. rushing yards, and Coastal had 315 passing yards. This game was this game was nuts. Yep. Grayson McCall, by the way, uh, is not transferring. He's staying put for one more season at uh, Coastal, and I just wanted to mention that. Good for. Good for Coastal, good for him. I am going to sound like a bit of a boomer here, and I don't mean it like that. I just like it when guys stay at their school for all four years, especially when they are a star and they are in an offense that works that well for them. Grayson McCall was two yards per attempt ahead of anyone else in the country. He's this awesome. Year. Like he's, he's the most awesome. efficient quarterback by far. I know it's a little premature, but I would I would gladly waste a second or third day pick on him. Oh, absolutely. Like I think he's worth that. Absolutely. Yeah. So we go to Saturday in the Boca Raton Bowl. It was Western Kentucky and Appalachian State, and both of these teams came in their conference runners-up. Both of them have lost in the in their conference title game, but I think the big story was Bailey Zappi having the ability to break two FBS records, and he did just that. He threw for 422 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, and he breaks Joe Burrow's 60-touchdown uh, record. He finishes with 62 in a year. Um, and I believe he also broke the season single-season passing yardage record, which he did. I believe was held by B.J. Simmons at Texas Tech, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, so, I, I couldn't tell you. how. I would just like to say right now that Bailey Zappi finishes with 5,967 passing yards. What the fuck? You were so close to 6K. <laughs> How do you not get in 33 more? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm like actually mad about this because he could have had it, like he could have been the first guy to ever break 6K, and he did it in four. By the way, 62 touchdowns in 14 games. Joe Burrow needed 15 to get to 60. So that's our yeah. That is our king. The 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 yeah. 
they had a 29-year-old offensive coordinator who bought, who brought this like insane passing offense from Houston Baptist. Like they brought over their like their top three receivers, including Jared Stearns, who Ooh. will probably I think end up being drafted. I think so. Hope I'm so. not sure. I haven't looked at mocks. Um, Let me read these numbers. I think maybe Zappy will too. Oh God! <laughs> 150 receptions, 1,902 yards, 17 touchdowns for Jared Stearns. Yeah, yeah. Whew. Um, this is actually one of the good points of the transfer rule, I'd say, um, because it allowed Western Kentucky to improve fairly quickly and have the most explosive offense in college football. Um, yeah. By the way, Western Kentucky did win fifty nine thirty eight. Um, I know we're I know we're number gawking here, but <laughs> just wanted to point that out. Yeah. Um, I think the game I was actually looking forward to was the Celebration Bowl. Um, Jackson State, a couple days prior, pulled off the number one recruit in college football. The most devious lick of all time. So, Uh Travis Hunter, who is a two-way prospect, he's a corner and a a wide receiver. Uh, He was verbally committed to Florida State, Deion Sanders' alma mater, and... uh, Reports leak out on the morning of, of of early signing day that he might end up flipping to Jackson State, which is a FCS HBCU, um, and he does so very dramatically at his at his like signing day table. He 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 flings multiple hats off of the stage, uh, and the Jackson State hat is 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 uh, is tossed to him. Um, so yeah, just casually. A HBCU signed the biggest prospects in the country. Yeah, college sports is is in a very interesting spot. I'll I I will put it that way. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, this game this game was so weird and and like Jackson State was eleven and one. They were ranked fifteenth in FCS. Like, and they had been by far and away the number one team in the HBCU polls for weeks now. Holy fuck. Um. So, meanwhile, their their opponent, South Carolina State, was six and five, and they were like a minus forty point differential. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened there is, if you're not familiar, um, the MEAC, uh, the other the other notable HBCU league, has been torn apart by realignment. Um, I know Hampton has gone to the Big South. Um, I think North Carolina A&T might be looking that way, but I know uh, Florida A&M, who is another big MEAC program and probably the marquee big MEAC program, uh, went over to the SWAC this year, which is the league that Jackson State is from. So we have an 11-1 ranked 15th in FCS team playing a 6-5 MEAC team. Um, And South Carolina State beat uh, their ass beat their ass oh yeah yeah oh my god um jackson state took a seven nothing lead uh but after that like it was pretty apparent that jackson state's offensive line they're just getting crushed one of my friends uh shout out to phil by the way hi phil hope you're listening if you're not i'm gonna kill you but anyways uh (laughs) um he was listening to the south carolina state radio broadcast and they were just shit talking jackson state's offensive line um Jackson State wasn't able to do anything. It's not like South Carolina State was coded in glory either. It's just South Carolina State wins 31-14. Um, I know ESPN has said that they won the Black College National title. There are people who will fight you over that definition because, uh-huh. yeah, like, so in Division Two, and we are getting kind of deep into this, but I actually think it's an interesting subject. In Division Two, there, um, there are two other hbcu leagues and those leagues play about the same level of football not quite getting the same recruits that jackson state does but it's about the same and they will pretty much fight you in terms of saying like the winner of the celebration bowl should be the black college football national champion i I don't know if south carolina state was voted number one after that game I i imagine that they could have been but they were ranked fifth prior to the game so i don't know how that works but yeah, congratulations to South Carolina State for absolutely putting the surprise ass whooping of the day on mm. on a team that they weren't supposed to beat. So good for them. Um, we get back to F- FBS ball, uh, the PUBG New Mexico Bowl. Oh no, why is 
How is PUBG Mobile sponsoring the fucking New Mexico Bowl? I don't get that. It, um, uh, sorry, it is actually the the Pog Mobile New Mexico Bowl. Um, so uh, please, please, please get that right. Um, our miners took Fortnite an hour. Fortnite is better. <laughs> like, like, uh, I, I know, I know. But anyways, um, Fresno State came in. They were nine and three. They were facing a six and six UTEP team. That was more a good story than an actual good football team. Um, but UTEP was interesting. For the first forty-five minutes of the game, they were up seventeen-nine at one point. Fresno State took a twenty-six seventeen lead, but UTEP hit a weird pass in like a close T formation, which they had run a couple times in this game. I've seen more than one team run T formation in like close sets this year. And I really like that that's coming back because it is a very hard formation to like line up against, especially if you have like, if you have a couple plays from that set, it can be really devastating, but they hit a weird close T formation um, play on fourth and on fourth and one, I believe to score a touchdown to cut the lead to 26, 24. And then Fresno ends up holding on with a field goal and a safety. Which, uh, they scored five points in the fourth quarter. Um, I hate that. I hate that so much. <laughs> so um, we get to the evening slate, and we'll first go over the Lending Tree Bowl, just because Liberty won 56-20. There's nothing notable to mention here, and fuck Liberty in general. Yep. But the one game that we do want to talk about is UAB and BYU. This game was a big banger. Uh, UAB was up 14-0, and then BYU came back to tie it at 14 before UAB went up at the half, 21-14. BYU comes out right after half, ties the game, but UAB gets the lead back with a field goal right after that. After picking off UAB on a later drive, BYU took their first lead of the game early in the fourth quarter to make it 28-24. UAB comes back right out, ends up with a 75-yard touchdown drive that got them... Back in the lead. Um, the turning point in this game, BYU wide receiver Samson Nakua fumbles after a catch with three minutes to go. The Cougars are down 31-28. UAB ran the clock out, basically. Um, both of these running backs had amazing days, by the way. Um, Tyler Algier set the BYU single-season rushing record in this game. He ended up with close to 2,000 yards, and he finished with hundred and. 92 yards on the ground and three TDs, but UAB's Dwayne McBride was probably the MVP of this game. Uh, he ran for 183 yards and a touchdown himself. So, um, congrats to UAB. I did not think that they would be in this game. I, I saw a BYU fan uh, making the, well, they didn't want to be there excuse. Um, come on. It's amazing how that happens even at that level. Like, come on. I, I can see it, but like, come on now. So we get to the L.A. Bowl now. We're back. We're into the night slate now. Utah State wins 24-13 over Oregon. It's not... There's nothing really yeah. interesting here. Like, it's it's fine. Um, uh, to the New Orleans Bowl, which started at 9 fucking p.m. on Saturday. That's so good. Um, Louisiana came in, ranked 16th in the country. They had won the Sun Belt. Uh, and their reward was they got to play a 7-5 Marshall team ranked. 74th in the Massey composite ratings. Um, what a but this game turned out to be really good. Um, yeah, we we have we have teams not exactly getting rewarded with a good matchup for a good season. But yeah, but this game actually turned out pretty okay um, for the first 50 minutes, anyways. Rasheen Ali, holy shit! Like this guy looks like Jonathan Taylor, but like in college, mm-hmm. like. He finished with 23 rushing touchdowns on the year. He tied Tyler Tyler Algier. Um and he was and he's a freshman, by the way. Ooh. He does so many amazing cuts and he he just he finds the hole so efficiently. He just he he for me was the highlight of this game. The thing about Louisiana, they don't really do anything notable. They just go 5 or 6 yards at a time every single play. Um and usually that's good enough. Um Louisiana comes out, um, and they score 20 unanswered in the last 10 minutes to pull away and make this game look more comfy than it actually was. And and Michael Desimero got his very first win as Louisiana head coach. Good so, for him. yeah, good for them. Louisiana finishes 13-1, and um, that program's rolling. That, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
that program's rolling. But we did have NFL games on Saturday, which is a weird thing to say right now, but yeah. it happens every year. Um, um, there were supposed to be two. There were supposed to be two. Um, you know what? Why don't we get into this now? Every year, they schedule two... Uh, well, they don't schedule two games in advance. They they say that there are that that there will be two um, that for week fifteen that there will be multiple Saturday games. There's going to be one at four, one at eight, um, and they kind of like flex those games into those slots like a month in advance. One of those games was Browns Raiders, but it got pushed to Monday night because the NFL is currently uh, dealing with a massive COVID problem. Um, Mm -hmm. just naturally because of how... As is the rest of society in general, but yeah, the NFL too. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's primarily the, uh, the Omicron variant. I've never had to say that word out loud. Um, (laughs) um, it's, uh, yeah, the NFL has had a crazy amount of positive COVID, uh, tests. So we've had three games this week pushed to Monday and Tuesday. So we are recording on Tuesday morning. We don't have the full NFL slate done, but we didn't want to wait until tomorrow. That would be silly. We we wanted to touch on that. The NFL has also changed their 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 their, uh, their testing procedures in order to yeah. I believe it's asymptomatic individuals. Like the way that they have it now is the way that college has had it most of this year, where like. If you're asymptomatic, you don't need to test every day. They just test people with symptoms. Um, so the one game that did get played on Saturday was Colts-Patriots, a game with playoff implications. The Colts win 27-17. Um, Katie, I know that you know because the stat is right on the document, but um, let's say that you hear that a NFL team scores 27 points. Um, how many, like, and... Let's assume that the team that scores twenty seven points has a has a has a like league average quarterback. Um, about how many passing yards slash completions would you expect that quarterback to have? Just like general general rough ballpark estimate. Mm, probably somewhere around two twenty five or two fifty. Yeah, and about about twenty twenty five completions. Uh huh. Um, thirty if you're. 30 if you're running a short pass offense. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Um, so Carson Wentz went 5 for 12 for 57 yards. <laughs> for a touchdown and a interception. Um, yeah, the Colts did Thankfully, not... Thankfully, they do... didn't need him to do anything. Yeah. Um, the Colts did not do much of anything in this game. Jonathan Taylor is really good. Uh, but basically, what the Colts did is they scored early uh, on a drive that was most... that. It was mostly Jonathan Taylor. Then they block a punt and return it for a touchdown. Uh, and then they go on one long field goal drive. And at that point, it's basically the end of half, and they're up 17 to nothing. So the Patriots can't really do much because Mac Jones is not going to pass you out of a hole. Um, they tried, and they managed to rack up some points in garbage time. But yeah, um, this is just one of those games where one team kind of jumped out really early and... The Colts are designed to front run that way. Like that's what they did to the Bills too. Um, that like once once they get in the lead, like it's just really hard to catch up to them. Um, so yeah. yeah, Colts win twenty seven to seventeen, and their quarterback didn't even really have to try. Uh, on the other hand, Mac Jones tried so hard. He did. He went twenty six for forty five for two ninety nine, two touchdowns, two picks. A lot of that's garbage time, but um, I think. Yeah, I think the Patriots should consider freeing Mac Jones a little bit uh, if they want to actually like make you know do some damage in a, in a, in the playoffs. Yeah, I I felt like what I saw from that game um, was I feel like his routes were getting undercut quite a bit. Like like they clearly know like he's not going to throw the ball deep. So you saw like a lot of linebackers and safeties playing like hook curl. Yeah. Um, which would suggest that like you're playing pretty close up. Like that's that's kind of the thing. Like normally what you would do is you would play number two and carry him vertical, but it always felt like it always felt like the edge defenders or the safeties would either play hook, um, hook curl, which basically you may you like zone up anything in your area between like oh, about five and twelve yards. Or they'd play the flat. Um and Mac Jones didn't really have an answer for that. There was one, there was one fourth down play where he, um, where he clearly thought that the receiver was going to go deep, 
but there's a safety there, so he's not going to go deep. He he does what he should. The receiver cuts out on a quick out, and Mac Jones just misses it. Um, I have been a notorious Mac Jones hater, um, and that's probably sinking in a little here. Mm-hmm. But I, I think this is the next step in the maturation of his game. If he's going to become the elite quarterback that people you know say and think he might be at some point... He's got to learn, like, how to... Well, I say that. I think more of it is that they've got to loosen up the offense a little bit, like you said. Yeah, totally. It's just... Yeah. They need to cut him loose. And if it ends up going badly, it ends up going badly. But they have to actually let him play. Um, Yeah. So... And And the thing is, is that, like, they do have... They have good enough receivers, I think, to do that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I don't really know why, like, Bill Belichick has always wanted, the like, he's always wanted to have a to have a Big Ten West team that lives in the AFC East, and now he can finally do it, and he thinks his quarterback is, like, Spencer Petras, even though he's clearly way better than that. <laughs> um, so, football was played on Sunday, too. That's the typical day for NFL football, it turns out. I did not see most of, most of the 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. Uh, 4 p.m. slots. Um, because I finally, for the first time in years, went to a Bills game. It was quite fun. Um, there's not a ton of reason to talk about Bills 31, Panthers 14. Um, I just wanted to, you know, mention it because I was there. Um, there, there were actually some very wacky shenanigans. Um, we ended up getting into the stadium pretty early because we didn't, we didn't, like, tailgate or anything. We just kind of... Uh, oh, you didn't put yourself through a fucking folding table? Come no. on now. Like, um, it's uh, unfortunately not. Um, most of the tailgating at the lots that we walk through is is like pretty sedate. Like you kind of have to go out of your way to like really get the nonsense. And it was my boyfriend's first game, so I didn't, you know, I didn't want to like, you know, scare him off. But uh, yeah, we kind of like wandered the lots and we saw lots of western new york suburbanites drinking beer at like 9 a.m um which is which is you know just that's their natural habitat uh but anyway so we get into the stadium like around 11 30 which is just in time to see the panthers kicker uh slip and injure himself zane gonzalez so the panthers did not have a kicker for this game um we watched them uh try out a random assortment of other players for doing kickoffs and onside kicks and stuff um pj walker i was not not impressed by uh brandon zilstra was actually pretty (laughs) solid uh he was hitting his pats and warm-ups he did not get a chance to kick one in game but basically because the panthers kicker was injured they did not kick field goals or extra points the entire game so whenever the Panthers had the ball, you knew that they had to either put it in the end zone or they were going to turn it over on downs. Like there was like, there was basically no other options available if they got into field goal range. Um, so uh, it ended up being a pretty fun game to watch because multiple times the Panthers turned the ball over in like the Bills red zone because they had to. Um, yeah, they definitely could have made it a game if they were able to kick field goals and like put more pressure on because the Bills were kind of lethargic. They 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 kind of did. The Bills thing where, like, even though they were up by two scores most of the game, it felt like it felt like they were, like, just one or two plays away from, like, having the game be, like, right back up in jeopardy. But, uh, yeah, they ran the ball a ton. Devin Singletary had 22 carries. I don't know why. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the run game design was definitely better than it's been. Like, they were actually running off of, like, jet motion. They were running off tackle. Both of these teams were less affected by covid than most so it was generally a like pretty normal-ish game but yeah uh yeah so i also uh fucking screamed myself hoarse um at several points during the game so that's why my voice sounds a little gimpy um anyway moving along uh dolphins 31 jets 24 i'm only bringing this up because we have to acknowledge that the dolphins have won six in a row uh from from starting one and seven they are now seven and seven Granted, they've beaten pretty much no yep. one except the Ravens. Yeah, the Jets were up 17-7 at one point, and then the Dolphins came back and won 31-24. Um, 
Miami did win total yards 379 to 228, so it was probably a pretty deserved win at the end of the day. Oh yeah. So did you uh yeah. did you see the Jets absolutely wild hook and ladder play? I think it was on a third down. I did not. I just saw I just saw Christian Wilkins doing the fucking worm. <laughs> That, that, that's what I saw mostly from this game. Hell yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to send you the, the very wild Jets hook and ladder because I've never seen anything quite like it. Like, it was a hook and ladder, but the guy who caught it basically, like, threw it um, Music City Miracle style. Like, basically, like, across <laughs> the field. It was really wild. Um, oh, Lord. So, Katie, your Titans kind of got screwed here. Ah! Uh. Steelers 19, Titans 13. Go ahead. Um, They stole the game from us. And they being the NFL, the referees, everyone. Yeah. Um, I hate Pittsburgh. I hate the Steelers. Mm-hmm. I hate that entire franchise. I hate fucking... I hate putting fucking, like, whatever fucking yins or bullshit that always happens when we go up there. It <laughs> always fucking happens. Every year. We were in control of this game for a long time, and then the Steelers had one drive where I think they had, like, four penalties that were... All of them were total bullshit, and all of them went against us. Um, I tend to be a believer in the fact that, like, if bullshit goes against you, you should at least get some bullshit back. I believe Nick Westbrook-Akine was a little short of the first down to gain um, when they were down by six of, like, 40 seconds to go and the spot was short but they didn't give it to us because they never gave anything to us in this fucking game i had to sit there and watch big ben's fucking corpse just sit there (laughs) and and throw these terrible fucking balls and these fucking terrible ducks and like ah, i fucking hate the nfl's pi rules too like that that shit is emotionally taxing like I hate the NFL's pass interference rules. I hate the roughing the passer rules. Yeah. I hate everything about how defenses are called in the NFL. Fuck off. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there were there were some bad pass interference calls this week. Um, I uh-huh. I generally don't hate pass interference being a spot penalty. This has led to several arguments between the two of us. But uh, yeah, just a little bit. Um, yeah. This was definitely a rough spot for the Titans. Um, do the Titans have any swag? We could have we could have taken the lead in the AFC again. Yep. If we won this game, we would have been the number one seed again. Fuck! Yep. Oh, Lord. The Titans without Derrick Henry remain swagless. Just terrible. It's fucking Deontay Foreman and fucking, and fucking Jeremy McNichols and, and Hilliard. And I just... Ah! I hate watching this team now. <laughs> I wake up every Sunday and think, oh, well, I'll watch the Titans at 1 p.m. and then just subject myself to three hours of just the most miserable NyQuil-ass <laughs> football. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to move us along or else Katie might die. Um, so, the Bengals take down the Broncos 15-10. to 10. This one's at 4 p.m. because it's in Denver. Um, basically only bringing this up because Teddy Bridgewater gets injured in this game, sadly. Uh, Drew Locke comes in. Drew Locke fucking sucks. He is so <laughs> bad. Um, yeah, the Bengals, yep. the, the Bengals didn't do much of anything on offense. Uh, their defense remains pretty good. Not much to say about this other than to mention it before Teddy getting hurt, Drew Luck being bad, and, uh, the wildcard implications that this game ends up having. Um, the last game that I want to mention here really quickly is Saints 9, Bucks 0. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I mostly just want to like point and just say what the fuck. Yeah. Taysom Hill finished with a... Taysom Hill finished with a yard per pass attempt better than Tom Brady. Yeah. And it wasn't even that good. It was 5.7 for Taysom Hill and 4.5 for Tom Brady. When, Holy fuck! When the Bucks have the like, the the Tom Brady Bucks have these like crazy letdown spots where like nothing works, and this is definitely like this was. And for whatever reason, it seems to always be against the Saints yeah. if it's in the regular season. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, good lord, yeah. The fucking game on Halloween was a lot more entertaining than this, though. Oh so. yeah, oh yeah. yeah. 
Um, um, yeah. I think the only other thing I wanted to mention with this is I, Chris Godwin, I believe, is out for the rest of the yep. year. Um, so, oof. yeah, that's rough. That's not great. Um, in my money fantasy league, um, the the Brady Godwin stack is like the only thing that got me into the playoffs. And I'm going to lose this week anyway, but still rough. Uh, they got me almost all the way there. Um, anyway, there are two Sunday stories I wanted to talk about more in depth. First of all, the Lions beat the shit out of the Cardinals. Just, <laughs> just, just, just beat the shit out of them. Um, this is a game much like the Colts game where the Lions just kind of jump out to a early lead and the Cardinals have to play catch up. But the Lions defense really, really like played their asses off in in the first yeah. half of this game. Um, the the I... Cardinals go three and out in their first two possessions. They punt again on their third possession, and then they turn the ball over on downs on their fourth, and that's all all the chances they get to touch the ball on offense. Um, the Lions score and uh, try and get an onside kick immediately um, because Dan Campbell is crazy. That's not even the first time that he's done that this year. No, he did it with the Rams earlier this year. I remember that game. Yeah. Um, and this time, he's a very ambitious upset bid. Uh, just ends up working. Um, yeah. Yeah, this was wild. Uh, Katie, um, so the Lions leading rusher for this game, uh, uh-huh. do you know who the leading rusher for the Lions is, was in? I do, because I looked up the stra- stats and it's some guy named Craig. <laughs> some guy named Craig. Um, who Craig... wears the number 46? Yeah, uh, Craig Reynolds. This is not his first NFL action. He went action. to Cutstown. <laughs> this man went to Cutstown. Uh, that's where Andre Reed went, represent. Craig Reynolds, who's uh, 25 years old, spent some time on uh, at Washington and uh, several other teams, I believe. Uh, Jacksonville last year, too. Uh, this is his first uh, significant NFL action, and he goes 26 for 112 yards, or 26 carries, 112 yards, and uh, he didn't end up having a touchdown, but uh, he, uh, uh-huh. yeah, he had, he had a really nice day. Yeah, I... I think there are a couple observations from this game that I noted. Um, Jared Goff was actually able to sit back there and throw the football. Like the Cardinals got no pressure on him and he was just able to find these open windows in the defense. And like, some of them were pretty fucking deep too. So it wasn't like he was just like, it wasn't like he was a vulture just like feasting on like little bits of the carcass. Like he was that, that man got the whole entire meat. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I want to note too is Kyler Murray, um, what Detroit did is they brought a lot of pressure, like a lot of overload blitzes, and um, it it affected Kyler Murray really bad. I don't think I've ever, like he looked like a rookie out there because like his vision was just so fucked up. Like he felt, it felt like he didn't see open receivers against that kind of pressure, and I think it's, I think we're starting to see a little bit of the limitations of um, Kyler Murray. Just, you know, but that's what I think. Um, Mm -hmm. Arizona did adjust their game plan in the second half. They threw a little bit more in terms of like screens and um, they did have some more cutback runs against the blitz, but it didn't really work and it wasn't, it was a little bit too late for that sort of thing. So I I just, how this team, I just, like this team was right to just fucking go off and celebrate afterwards. Oh, they yeah. went oh, they sure. went nuts. I mean, yeah, those guys it is it is crazy how hard the Lions play. And like I get it because yeah. because like the post game like speech from Dan Campbell made, you know, made me want to like follow that guy, you know, through like through a fucking wood chipper. Um there is one player for the Lions that I want to shout out because he's having a really nice year. Uh, that would be Charles Harris, who is the former first-round pick uh, of the Dolphins back in 2017. <laughs> He's a edge rusher. Yeah. Uh, he was like basically a a total bust for the Dolphins. Um, in three years, he had f- uh, three and a half sacks total. Uh, he had an okay year for the Falcons last year as a like ed- as as a like uh, as a rotational pass rusher. But this season, um, he's playing a bunch and he has seven and a half sacks. So good for him. Oh gosh. Uh, yeah. Well, you know. Um. Good for Charles Harris. I'm. I'm glad that he's finally. You know, turning it around. Um. Also. Um. So 
The other game that I actually did manage to see a bit of on Sunday was Packers 31, Ravens 30. Um, Katie, Tyler Huntley was not invited to the Combine. I How? Like... No one watches West Coast they, football? That's true. That's very true. Like, Utah is not exactly the most glamorous place for a guy to play to just because, like, their offense is just really vanilla and basic. So, like... Yeah. But, the showcase of skills isn't really there, but I, I don't know how this happened. Um, I, I, I really need to stop calling him Brett Hundley in my head just because <laughs> I remember his brother, uh, who is the who is the very big quarterback at UCLA for a while. So, yeah, but he has clearly gotten out of his brother's shadow. Just my head is fucked up. Uh, yeah. Shea Patterson, who has spent basically no time on NFL rosters, he got invited to the Senior Bowl over Tyler Huntley. Um, this is all this is all preamble to actually talking about the game, which was Packers thirty one, Ravens thirty. Um, Lamar Jackson does not play, so it is in fact the second year undrafted free agent Tyler Huntley out there. The Packers, uh, they're behind early, I believe. Yeah, um, but. So they uh, the game is is tied going into halftime, 14-14. The Packers kind of jump ahead, and uh, they have a 31-17 to lead, like halfway through the fourth quarter, roughly. Huntley takes them right down the field, makes it 31-24. The Ravens' defense forces a punt, and the Ravens uh, score again. Um, and now it's 31-30. Rather than kick a field, or um, rather than kick a, a extra point... And um, uh, risk the Packers winning the coin toss in overtime and uh, scoring immediately. The Ravens decide to win the game on a two-point conversion. They don't. This is the second time that they've tried this recently, and it's gone bad both times. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't I, have I, any I get sort the call, of... but I, I... Yeah, like, I was just going to say, like, I get the call, but I don't like it. I don't like the actual play call. Um, so the play call no. is... They call a little rollout pass. Basically, the only person who can catch this ball is Mark Andrews, and everyone knows it. Like, people were claiming that Hollywood Brown was open in in the back of the end zone, but like, that's just not how rollout passes work. Like, you're never gonna like throw no. it back across your body. Like, that's just how the play is designed. It's gonna go to Mark Andrews, um, and everyone knew it. And unfortunately, uh, I guess for Tyler Huntley and the Ravens. Um, the ball's batted down. I'm just going to read Tyler Huntley's stat line because it was incredible. He goes, uh, his, his, his passing numbers aren't brilliant. Uh, he goes 28 for 40 for 215 and two touchdowns. So like tidy, but then he adds, uh, 73 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Um, hell of a game for him. Yeah. I think what I noticed too is what, um, what they did for him was pretty interesting. Um, you can tell that they kind of simplified the game plan for him some. Like, a lot of single receiver uh, man beaters to one side, uh, more two-man combos to another side. That included Mark Andrews, who uh, can obviously run those deeper routes. So, they did a really good job in making sure, like, okay, well, we don't have Lamar, so maybe we can't have the full complement of our offense where he would be able to see the things that Tyler Huntley did not but Tyler Huntley uh, was able to make them pay on the ground too, which I think was, I think was actually a factor in why they decided to call the rollout play because I think what they thought was we can threaten them on the outside with either the throw to the quick out or we can have him run it in. But the Packers were very alert to it by then, just because they like they knew that like there's only going to be one or two reads on these plays. Like I, I'm not saying that Tyler Huntley's a bad quarterback or anything, or that this performance wasn't good. I'm just saying he still is learning the ropes that that's what I'll say. He can get better. I'm just saying like, Oh, definitely. he's still learning the ropes right now. So the offense was very simplified for him. Um, two point conversion plays are also very weird because you tend to practice them separately. Um, they're a package basically. Like yeah. you don't, yeah, like, you have very specific plays in mind for those sorts of <laughs> situations. Um, several football games were played on Monday. Um, one of them was a college football game, the Myrtle Beach Bowl. It, I did not know this game was happening. I saw none of it. 
Uh, I um, if you put a gun to my head, so, I, I I wouldn't have been able to tell you that both these teams were bowl eligible. So tell us about it, Katie. Um, well, both of them almost weren't bowl eligible, and the only reason um I had any attachment to this game um. Hi, Brian. Shout out to my friend Brian, who is the biggest Old Dominion fan in the entire world. Yes, they exist, and they are in plentiful numbers and more than you would imagine. Um, so both of these teams were 6-6 six and six coming in here, um, and they have both had to have like winning streaks to get bowl eligibility. Old Dominion was 1-6 to start the year, and they went 6-6, six and six, so they went 5-0 and oh to get bowl eligibility, which that's fun. Uh, Tulsa went from three and six to six and six. Um, the game wasn't really that interesting. Tulsa basically dominated. Old Dominion took the opening kickoff and ran it back for a touchdown. Tulsa took the lead back after 10 minutes of game time and they didn't really let it go. Uh, Tulsa won total yardage 529 to 247. So I I have said this, the Myrtle Beach Bowl needs to actually be played on Myrtle Beach. Like, you know, like the, um... You know the temporary stadium that they set up in Rio for the Olympics oh, yeah. back in 2016 for beach volleyball? Mm-hmm. What they need to do is that. But, like, lay, like, some field turf over it and play, like, the Myrtle Beach Bowl on Myrtle Beach. That would rock. Like, I think that would be a good idea. Um, but I'm also insane, so what do I know? Um, I think that sounds great. Are you kidding me? I know. Like, that. that's what I thought, too. I was like what if we did this for football? Like, how many people would be into it? And I bet it would be a lot. Um, But instead, this game was played in Conway at Coastal Carolina's field, and they didn't even bother changing the markings of it at all. Yeah. Um, It was just on Coastal Carolina's field. Like, there was no special special insignia or anything like that. But um, anyways, that was the last bowl game and college game. We'll talk about uh, the rest are NFL games the rest of the way. Uh, Victoria, Uh. uh, we had two... (laughs) on monday and none of them were particularly good nope uh we are we we might literally not talk about the second game um but raiders <laughs> 16 browns 14 uh my 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 note in in the uh, podcast document for this one is kyle shanahan deserves the nobel prize for making people think mullins could play um nick mullins is forced to play because case keenum and uh, Baker Mayfield are both in the COVID protocol. The Browns are like ravaged by COVID, uh, by oh, yeah. by players who could yeah not they had play. like twenty players out. Yeah, I think it was absurd. Like, oof. Um. So yeah, even then, um, Mullins didn't play bad. He's just very limited. Um. And if there's no passing threat, then like Nick Chubb did not have his finest game, but he also didn't have much room at all. So. Uh, the Raiders kind of control most of this game. Uh, they, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they're pretty much mostly, um, they, like, they, they don't have a ton of, of, uh, of COVID cases, so they're more or less fine. Um, yeah. The Raiders, uh, jump out to a 10 to nothing lead and carry that into the third quarter. Um, not a lot to talk about, a lot of punting. Um, the Browns do eventually manage to, uh, score a touchdown. The Raiders respond with a field goal. Uh, it's 13 to seven deep into the fourth. The Browns go on a hell of a drive, a 14 play 80 yard, eight minute drive that ends in a fourth and five play from the Raiders six, um, in which Mullins, uh, uh, scrambles to his left, manages to throw back, uh, back across his body. Uh, to a wide open Harrison Bryant and oh shit looks like the Browns might win um and they especially look like they might win because Derek Carr throws an interception basically immediately and you're like oh well uh, you know the Browns might actually manage to get away with this one nope they punt it back um Zay Jones has several key catches on this drive good for him and uh the Raiders get into field goal range and the very well compensated and very good Daniel Carlson makes a 48 48-yard field goal as time expires. So, uh yeah, the Raiders win and make the wild call the wild card race even more fucking bonkers. Um <laughs> Vikings yeah. 17 Bears 9. Moving on. Yep. Moving on. <laughs> so, the playoff picture is getting more ridiculous somehow. Didn't even know that could be possible. Uh-huh. The AFC is a fucking mess there are 13 teams (laughs) in playoff contention right now in the afc okay so the one seed we got the chiefs 
great. Love that for us. They're 10 and 4. Fuck everything for letting this happen. The Patriots and Titans are both at uh, 9 and 5. The Bengals are currently leading the AFC North at 8 and 6. <laughs> and now we're getting into oh the wild God. Now we are getting into the wild card picture. The current three wild card teams are the 8 and 6 Colts. Eight and six Chargers and eight and six Bills in that order. So that means that the eight and six Ravens are currently not in a playoff spot. Ouch. Yep. Uh, I, I I just love that this like number four and number thirteen are separated by one game. Oh, it's so ridiculous. So the Steelers are the ninth seed right now at seven six and one. They're going to be the very strange wild card because they fucked around and tied with the Detroit Lions <laughs> earlier this year. After the Steelers, you have the 7-7 seven and seven teams. That would be the Raiders, who have the tiebreaker there, so the Raiders are kind of back in it with that last-second win. The 7-7 seven and seven Dolphins, and then the Browns, and then the Broncos. So all those teams are definitely in it. Um, there are a lot of... Uh, there are lots of um, sort of uh, playoff uh, eliminator games coming up. A lot of these teams play each other just because there's so many of them and they're all and they're all in the same conference. So they're just kind of going to, uh, you know, play each other. Um, if the Browns had managed to win last night, then there would be a three way tie for that for the lead in the AFC North. And the Steelers would be in last place uh, a half game out of out of the division lead. Um, and I w- and I would rejoice. <laughs> uh, yeah, geez. So the NFC is a little more clear-cut at this point, although I will say the Cardinals losing has complicated things. You have the Packers, uh, I believe, have they uh, they are probably going to have home field advantage. Uh, they are eleven and three now. You have the Cowboys, the Bucks, and the Cardinals all at ten and four. The Rams might be ten and four, uh, depending on the outcome of of their game tonight, which we are recording before it. So not much we can do about that, but. The Rams are nine and four, and they're in the fifth spot. The Niners eight and six, they're in the sixth spot, and then the Vikings and Saints are tied at seven and seven. Uh, they will be joined by either Washington or Philadelphia. Uh, the winner of that game will also be seven and seven. So yeah, that's what it looks like in the NFC. It's definitely a little more tidy, but there is there is kind of a like mud pit at the very bottom where we're gonna see we're gonna see the 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 Vikings Saints. Uh, Washington football team or Eagles probably get that spot and that'll be interesting to say the least there is football being played next week allegedly there are more minor bowls to discuss we, uh, Katie has put four here and I'm I am I'm throwing the challenge flag on several of them um, okay okay I mean I, Katie, the problem is okay the problem is in, in Victoria I know you're looking at this fucking document here um <laughs> The problem is there's no real marquee games until oh, definitely. Tuesday or Wednesday of next week, so we're kind of stuck with what we got here. Uh, so I, I believe the one that I am actually looking forward to most is the Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, this is UCF versus Florida. Florida is a six and a half point favorite, by the way, but both of these teams will probably be able to run on each other pretty well. Um, we'll, we'll see how this game pans out. I... I think UCF will pull out an upset, which is weird to say, given I believe that they're eight and four. Um, so there's that. Friday at eight p.m. on ESPN, uh, we have the Hawaii Bowl. Uh, Memphis Ugh. is an eight and a half point favorite. <laughs> um, Hawaii's quarterback Chivon Cordero transferred to Colorado State, so Hawaii doesn't have their best offensive player. Um, and they're Which not good to think, start with. Why? I know, I know, but still, it's <laughs> it's football on Christmas Eve. Where the fuck are you going to go? Exactly. Um, I'm not even going to tell you the down bad game I shared with Victoria. Okay, I will, just because I hate you all that much. Um, so if, you, if you're really down bad that bad enough, uh, Christmas Day, 2 p.m. on ESPN uh, 2, I believe, uh, you get... Ball State versus Georgia State in the Camellia Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama, which, oh lord, that, that combination's fun. There are only real good bowl games, I think, are coming up next Tuesday, um, and I'm putting these here even though that they're technically not in the window just because, you know, we can't really preview them uh, otherwise. 
Uh, so the first responder bowl, that's at 315. That's Louisville versus Air Force. Louisville's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, this is a fun little matchup. Air Force is probably going to be able to run all over Louisville's defense. Um, but if Louisville's offense actually does manage to show up, which... That can be that can be a interesting proposition at times. Uh, it could be a very fun game. Uh, so in the last college game, I'll tell you about the Holiday Bowl. That's at 8 p.m. on Fox. Uh, UCLA versus North Carolina State. Um, mm-hmm. NC State is actually a narrow one-point favorite. Both of these offenses are pretty good, but um, I think the real matchup to watch here is. UCLA's offense versus North Carolina State's defense because both of these units rank in the top 25 in their respective side of the ball. I I think one of the, um, I wouldn't say underrated pro prospects, but a guy who, a guy who I believe Giraffe Knicks will kind of catch on to, Devin Leary at North Carolina State. He's thrown for over 3,400 yards and has a 35 to 5 touchdown to interception ratio. That's if they haven't noticed already, which they probably should have. Um, also, Amika Mezzi, the wide receiver for North Carolina State, that's another guy to watch. He's a big receiver, and he is a very good one, too. So, um, that's your college slate. It's bleak, I know, but um, hopefully the NFL slate is better, Victoria. Hopefully. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I, I would just like to say really quickly, uh, if you are considering watching the Hawaii Bowl on Christmas Eve at 8 p.m., consider going to church instead. Because because you you clearly need to get right with the Lord. I, I, I'm I'm sorry, Victoria. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I uh I'm gonna be well. Actually, no. I will be out of work by then, thankfully. So maybe I will watch the fucking Hawaii Bowl. Oh Lord. Um, there there are a lot. There are enough NFL games with playoff implications this week that I couldn't include all of them. Um. Oh gosh. But. Just, here are four of them. Thursday night should actually be pretty fun. Uh, you got the 49ers at the Titans. Uh, the Titans... Fun for who? Uh, fun for... Uh, uh, me? F- no. Fun, fun, uh, fun for not Katie. I think it would be funny if, if both of our teams, despite looking like they would be the 1-2 and two seed, like, in... October in the AFC ended up as uh-huh. like ended up playing it playing uh in as uh as wildcard teams. I think that would be comedy. I think that would be funny. Uh just kidding. This game should be good, I think. I think. Yeah. I think the Titans I think I think yeah, I think it I think it'll be fine from a neutral perspective. I like the 49ers as a team and a the Titans and <laughs> like I said, Nike will of football. Yeah. Nike will of football. Um so but yeah, it, it's a it's a game of playoff inf- implications. So there's that. Oh, definitely. Uh, the Niners are still technically, I believe, alive in the NFC West. They would need some pretty remarkable stuff to happen for them to be able to claw back in. But you know, it's a possibility. Um, on Christmas Day, eight fifteen p.m. Uh, if you're looking to get away from the family, you got Colts at Cardinals. There is another Christmas Day game that I don't have written down and. If I didn't, uh, you know what? Nope, that one doesn't exist. There's just this one. Colts at Cardinals. This game has lots of playoff implications, obviously. The Colts are trending up. It seems like the Cardinals are trending down. The Cardinals also don't have DeAndre Hopkins for probably the rest of the season, so that is a large part of why they're trending down. I don't really know what to expect from this game, other than that these teams have very different styles. Yep. And I think it, I, I think it will be an interesting styles-make-fights spot, if you will. There are multiple 1 p.m. Sunday games in which uh, the uh, there are multiple games between two teams contending for their division leads. We have Bills at Patriots Sunday at one. Uh, I think I I think the Bills can do it, but I need to see it first. The Bills have not won a game that I've been impressed by since they beat the Chiefs, so I need to see it. Bills, show show it to me. Ravens at Bengals also at 1 p.m. Uh, if the Bengals win this game, then I think that they are pretty firmly the AFC North favorite. Uh, and that's wild to say out loud. I definitely would not have predicted that going into this year, but uh, good for the Bengals. Zach Taylor gets to keep his job for the next, like, 80 years as a result, if we are grading on the Bengals curve, where they just never want to fire or hire coaches. NFL football. We went a little long this week, but there was a fucking lot to talk about, so that's cool. You can find me online at DirtbagQueer on Twitter. Um, I posted some really heinous PFF uh, 
memes <laughs> the other day. Um, the, who's getting the best head? Um, it's probably EPA. Just, just that's my opinion. Um, NEA was getting the best head. Um, actually, uh, I I can't remember which. Good lord, <laughs> this is this is this is like so insular. If if you didn't see the exact tweet that we're talking about. Um, oh, good lord. Katie, where can the people find you? I am at Kates of Heaven on Twitter. I just dropped my latest edition of my newsletter today, oh, yeah. including some weird poetry that I wrote, which I know that that's weird and I, that's not a sports thing, but I just want to promote it. So Check it out. That? Check it out. I read it. It's cool. Check it out. So you can find the show uh, at... Tuck Roll Pod on Twitter for news updates, general whatever nonsense. Um, if you like the show, go on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, and leave us a review. And we'll read it if it's cool. If it's not weird, be normal. Hey, hey you, listener. Be normal. I think we've done it. Katie, why don't you uh, get us out of here? Michael Bishop eats bussy. Ooh. Michael Bishop getting, getting, getting nasty. <laughs>